Often do you hear your mum or dad's words come out of your mouth when you talk or shout at your kids. Words you swore you would never say to your own child. Our next guest says no matter how many parenting books you read, the biggest influence on your parenting style will be your own upbringing. Maggie Dent is the mother of four boys, a former teacher and counsellor who's one of Australia's foremost parenting experts, known as the Queen of Common Sense. Her latest book is called Parental as Anything, Toddlers to Tweens, and she's also the host of the ABC podcast Parental as Anything. Welcome back to Nine to Noon. Maggie? Oh, lovely to be back, Catherine. So is this universal? You literally will hear your mum or dad's words coming out of your own mouth and think, perhaps later, how did that happen? Oh, look, it is. And it's one of those things that, um, and let's not throw all our parents under the bus, is that we basically, everyone parents according to what they know at the time with the amount of information they have, right? So I come from the 50s and 60s where it was pretty tough, Catherine, so lots of uh, smacks and lots of exclusions and kicking out, lots of shaming, you know, don't be so stupid. So I really made that commitment. You know, I didn't want to be that voice, but um, it just, it is. Apparently it's sort of unconsciously programmed into us, Um, but we're triggered when a situation comes up that was something that we struggled with as a child at the same age. So it's like we've got a little child in us that is also reacting in that moment. It's just, oh, my goodness. And then we go, oh, no. We revert almost to being like a sibling. You you, you yeah. respond as a sibling might respond, yeah? Oh, well, either that or just a, a, a grown-up who's got a very loud child inside them. Now, one of the things that came up in our conversation with Dr Shivali was that we don't tend to remember um, all the wonderful things as easily as we do the things that really upset us. So we're triggered by the things that cause us emotional pain, which is a bit rough, eh? It is. It is a bit rough. What are some of the classic (laughs) phrases? I'm sure everyone will have their own, but there are some that are almost universal. Oh, mine was, um, well, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do that too? It was a real classic. Um, Do you think you live in a tent? Why don't you close the door? Um, If only only you'd listen as a classic, isn't it? Oh, totally. And also, you know, that that place of um, just do as you are told. Yeah, yeah. Um, I told you that would happen. Once again, (laughs) yep, yeah. And, And, of course, you know, we're not lousy parents. And I know that today's parents are grappling with this, shift that is recommended by child development Um, but we've also got cultural influences and we've got you know um, sometimes it's a significant trauma experience that's impacted the way that a family was raised so it's really quite complex how it's all still somewhere hiding inside us and that's why we wanted to shine a light on it so that you know if you have a conversation with whoever you're co-parenting about about something that triggers you then that gives that other co-parent a chance to to support you in those situations and maybe even what I call tag you out, like, hang on, uh, you look like you're struggling here. How about I take over? Wouldn't that be wonderful? It's really important, actually, because some of the phrases I've used are are sort of, you know, uh, less harmful. They might not be optimal um, ways of progressing a situation, but they're less harmful. But some of these behaviours can be far more serious, as you say. If they've come from a place of trauma, they've come from a deeply patterned, um, background that they can do real harm to a relationship and real harm uh, to a child, which which you don't want to do. So, t- talk to me about recognizing the triggers. Okay, so it's it's pretty really it is actually easier once you become aware, and that's really what we wanted to lift this 
awareness up that it's actually quite often not the child's issue that we're responding to. But if we notice, you know, if we can notice we've got a pattern around, um, you know, the way that they eat, and oh my goodness, I had to sit at a dining table once. My mum was not letting me leave until I ate my peas and I hated peas. I fell asleep on the table at about 11, apparently, with my head in the piece because I was a pretty stubborn girl. So it's sort of like let's see where it is because some parents are really reactive in the morning getting ready for school and yet they're quite okay in the afternoon because it was the morning pressure that was where most of their parents' aggro came out. So when we look at those patterns, um, we can have conversations about them, but really if, if you just notice it's not getting any better, that's when we need to say, hang on a minute, I might need some, you know, I might need a family therapist, I might need some counsellor to give me a bit more insight into what what story am I telling myself at an unconscious level? Because what happens with the shaming stuff, which is a lot of what this was based on, is we teach children there's something wrong with them, not something wrong with their behaviour. And it can just make us, you know, feel that we're not deserving of love, um, you know, we're not good enough. And that creates an endless cycle in us as, as humans. So how do you go deeper? Like you can go and get some therapy is one thing to do, um, but just give us some advice here from someone who knows they have knows this is going on as to the pathway to getting to, to the bottom of it. And perhaps uh, someone says you can't, you can't change your personality, but you can change your behaviour. So yes, you're oh, always going to have that yeah. response, but but you can manage the behaviour that ensues. How do you go yeah. that deeper? Okay, so what we actually know is we're habitual beings. So even though that's coming from an unconscious place, not a conscious place, we can actually start to observe it and go, whoa, you know what? I need to do something right now. One of the ones that came up with um, when I was speaking to a mum who said she just flies off the handle anytime from six o'clock on because I don't get that calm bedtime thing happening. And um, she said, what I noticed was I escalate my stress levels even before there's any. So she puts her hands in the air and says, hold on a minute. I'm just noticing I'm starting to get stressed and my voice is changing. I'm going to go in the bedroom for a few minutes and calm myself down. And I've always recommended you have a really good block of fruit and nut chocolate in there because that's a health food. So you give yourself an opportunity to resettle and then come back out. And what we're not only doing is we're modelling to our kids that sometimes we can bring our, um, our stress levels down so that we're not quite so reactive, so we don't have to hurt other people with our words. Some of that very deeply ingrained stuff that has been programmed, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the mother-daughter relationship that can often occur, right? And then let's say we go to the next generation and those responses are just coming out in a relationship. Some of it is actually subconscious, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and it can be, you know, there can be a there can be a rivalry thing, there can be a competition thing, there can be an insecurity thing. Again, do you need to be honest with yourself? Do you need to do a little bit of self-analysis and acceptance about why some of these things happen for you? Again, we can get professional help with it, but can you mm-hmm. begin the journey yourself and say, hang on a minute, I, I know what this is, or I can certainly theorise about what this is? Yeah, you definitely can. And I think probably one of the best books that starts all these journeys is the um, <clears throat> John Bradshaw's Homecoming, which was a book written many, many years ago that first started to open this kind of space up because this is what most of the personal growth workshops are all about. 
uh, let's find out what you're telling yourself unconsciously. And it's like, what are you telling the little child within? And can you be your inner child's ally, which sounds really weird and a bit woo-woo, but it's almost like saying, hang on a minute, I'm I'm just going to, we've got this from a grown-up space. So again, once you're aware, you you know, and that's what those, there's lots and lots of wonderful online stuff nowadays, which makes it a lot easier. And I also really point people in the direction of um, people like Brene Brown or, uh the work by byron katie which is she has these four questions when you are erupting around an issue is how do you know it's true are you sure it's true like what evidence do you have it's true because so often it's basically not true but we're telling ourselves it's true so there's so many different ways we can go nowadays and fortunately um yes you can access things from your home that will give you a journey of understanding some of the things that are stopping you. Now, I've just been doing heaps of research, uh, Catherine, for my next book around girlhood, which is little girls up to six or eight, because I just thought I know how important that formative window is and what messages are they downloading and how can we improve those messages, yeah? Um, And, of course, it ended up a massive personal growth journey for me where I worked out why it took me years to stop being a people pleaser. Um, it took me years to be able to say no when I really wanted to say no because I had been hurt as a little girl. A lot of it was from my mum. And so I didn't want to ever hurt anyone else, but it was okay to hurt me. So can you see there's lots and lots of layers to it? And I think probably for women, it's having the, having the best girlfriend or best sister you can possibly explore those things with over a coffee or you know other refreshment it was an interesting reference you made to Brene Brown who of course is very focused on vulnerability and the power of letting yourself be vulnerable now you don't the the problem with parenting is you know your job is kind of to be the boss right ultimately and 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 this and and you don't want to you, you often feel like you have to have this front all the time of being in charge the vulnerability isn't to the child the vulnerability is to yourself in some ways and to your peers and accepting the insecurities people carry and risking a feeling of being vulnerable. It's not something you're doing in a relationship with your child, but it's something you're sorting out, as you say, with your partner or, or with another adult. Because often those reflex responses are coming from a place of insecurity. Often that place yeah. of insecurity is coming from our own experience. Yeah. Absolutely spot on there. I think really one of the things we know, and that's one of we get lost in this whole journey about what resilience really is, because a lot of people think you just should be tougher to deal with things. And we've, you know, in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, I'm on the east coast of Australia where we've got hideous flooding, which is happening yet again. So those people are going to be feeling, you know, going to be struggling because that's what humans do when they're hit by adversity so badly. But on the journey to recover, often there has to be a place where we go through that incredible vulnerability of how scared and frightened and sad we are. And often when we go through those feelings, we're able to come out the other side to reclaim the hope and the enthusiasm for for recovery. And you're absolutely right. It's best we don't burden our children with ours. However, I do think there's a place, especially around grief, because obviously I've been a death specialist for a long time, that I think kids need to see us sad when we lose someone we love or the dog got run over. I think they need to see that vulnerability um, and also know what they can do around that vulnerability. But when it's the deep childhood wounds, we definitely don't want to share that because often it, it makes, it's got a potential to damage the relationship with the grandparents. 
because they can't see it through the same lens as adults do. So I really do agree with you that that is not the vulnerability we want to share with our kids. But understanding it exists helps us understand our responses and on we go. On the practical front, you mentioned tapping out. Two things you said, actually, having that chocolate bar. Isn't it funny how we always talk about with kids, don't come at them when they're just home from school and hungry and tired and thirsty. Get some carbs in them, right? Um, it's the same for you. If you just rushed in the door and you know you're late for this and the Zoom meeting is that, it's not the time yeah. to be picking, um, you know, resol- resolving major relationship issues. So that idea of oh. taking time out and getting some sh- um, carb in you or chocolate yeah. in you, great call. But someone or else caffeine. Bit, <laughs> caffeine, exactly. The other one, um, someone just saying, and for single parents, when you can't tap out. Now this is a good point. You yes. can you, you and, can accept an intervention, <clears throat> in inverted commas, from a mm. partner, but when you're on your own, how do you manage that need to just calm this for a moment? Look, that is just <clears throat> a massive journey, and I did spend, um, you know, 12 to 18 months as a solo parent. Um, and, again, it, it, it is something really that you – that's where your friendship circle or your tribe really does matter – um, and if it's not your family because they're either too far away or they're just not in that space for that truth, then we really need to look for somewhere. And sometimes it is, you know, it is in the mum's group. Um, um, some of them are wonderful. Um, some of them incredibly supportive. And um, one of the episodes we we do in this next season is about divorce and how do we walk on that journey when we're there's so much turmoil going on, which means that we are more likely to be you know, struggling, and yet we're still parenting. My hat goes off to every single solo parent in that window. But as a former therapist, I found it was useful to create times where you could just write it and journal it because what we find is you don't have someone to hear you necessarily. I mean, obviously, you could jump on and Skype and FaceTime someone. It's still not quite the same because they can't kind of connect in the same way. But when we journal it out and journal it out with the words that are going through our head, it feels like we're being heard and it often really allows us to come to a place of what I call perspective that says, okay, it's okay to get really upset about this because I feel completely out of my depth and unsupported. However, I kind of feel better now I've recognised what it is and that gives us a chance to move forward. Instead of you know being out of control, Catherine is probably the the scariest thing for humans to experience. So reclaiming a sense of, hang on a minute, I've got a grip on this again. It's okay for me to lock myself in the toilet sometimes and, and you know, just wish I could do this better. I've done that, you know, when I was in a co-parenting relationship. So, yeah, there are things we can do. A couple of comments here. Listen to the parenting advice currently. Something that's always stuck with me is pick your battles. It's been very useful in not yes. sweating the small stuff. And it's it's a strategy, isn't it? I'm not going to win the it's battle and lose the one. war. This is a long, ongoing relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to um, accept this one. Um, there was just another um, thought that occurred to me um, while you were talking, and now it slipped out of my head again. Um, oh, yes. So one of the things when I was a counsellor, Catherine, it might be helpful is I was working with troubled teens. And so if I've got a really rebellious teenage girl, um, you know, when I, you know, I work with a teenage girl, but I will often actually spend some time with the mum and say, so tell me what was happening when you were this age. And so often that pattern was just almost identical. So, again, that's why we do want us to shine those lights onto the the spaces of feeling, you know, um, no one cares, no one matters, whatever. Um, because it can literally just unfold in the next generation. That's a good question to ask yourself, actually. 
as what mm. was I experiencing at the same age and yes. stage. Here's another comment, um, and it's kind of it's kind of quite sad actually because I can tell that this has been this has stuck with someone well and truly. Get that look off your face, or I'll give you something to cry about. Yes. You can hang a coat hanger off that lip. If the wind changes, your face will stay like that, and on and on, yep. mostly negative. Now, one or two of those we can laugh about. When they're relentless, not so much, right? No. Um, I know what I was going to say. Is Does there need to be an element of forgiveness, um, which is a big word, to the childhood experiences that are repeating themselves in a pattern? Um, mm. So if, say, we use this person's example, and thank you very much for sharing it. Say that was happening to you, and it was constant, and it was negative, and it wasn't the occasional funny outburst at all. It really got to you. And you find yourself then starting to do it parenting. Does there need to be a process not just of recognising it, but almost forgiving it? it it's a really interesting question because um, it, the accepting and acknowledging place often shifts the the pathway of the wound. And I remember doing some very vigorous work at a workshop once um, because I was kind of the feisty uh, fifth of six and my mum was pretty exhausted by then and also not a terribly maternal mum. So I fought with her a lot. And when I had kind of really been able to own the, the anger and frustration and stuff I held in me as a little child, and I did a lot of screaming, I'll give you the tip, um, the facilitator said to me, now, what if your mum gave you everything she was capable of giving you at that time? Because there was a wounded child in her and I, honest to goodness, it flipped everything, you know, and I, and I really was able to come to that place without ever acknowledging to my mum that I had come to that place of really forgiving and letting it go, going, heck, you know, you did the best you could at that time with what you knew and where you were at. And I I got it. And also, I didn't take it so personally then, Catherine. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, wounded children raising wounded children. And that's kind of Dr. Shafali's challenge to us is, um, you know, we really need to recognise our children are one-off unique people. And our job is not, not to make them how we want them to be, is to guide them to be that whoever they really are in the best way possible. That forgiveness was for you more than for yep. your, your mum. and that's Absolutely. I, and the, then both yeah. of them sort of flowed through. So yeah. once I forgave myself for, you know, really giving my mum a hard time, but also feeling that she didn't love me because there was something wrong with me, I recognised she had actually loved me with everything she had. It just mm. wasn't as much as I would have liked. It's a very loaded word for some people, but I, I, I guess that um, my point is the benefit of it was yep. for you um, and that was the purpose yep. of it so whatever the word is you want to use yep. it might assist in trying to break the repetition Maggie you're a gem thanks very much for your time Maggie Dent uh, now listeners thank you for your questions there's another very good one that's come in that I'm going to suggest for a future topic and this is to do with uh, a teen coming home having lost motivation and I'm sure there's a fair bit of that potentially happening at the moment with the challenges of the last couple of years. Thank you for the question and the suggestion. We'll pick up on it in our future segment.